Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. Welcome in, everybody, to the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Glad that you are with me. And today's the follow-up to yesterday. I gave you three reasons why Ole Miss can overachieve in 2023, and I've got three, well, really four reasons why they cannot or will not overachieve in 2023. Some would also call that underachieving. Either way, uh, and two of them are kind of directly related to yesterday. So here it is, the reasons why Ole Miss will possibly underachieve in 2023 if you missed yesterday's episode and you're looking for a little optimism that that is a place for you to find it this not so much so we'll get into that here in a second there's a couple things I want to get to first though again my name is Michael Borky follow me on social media at Michael Borky B-O-R-K-E-Y Twitter Facebook YouTube follow like subscribe all that good stuff there also wherever you get your podcast if you're listening on the website pull out your phone your favorite podcast app, search Rebel Report, subscribe, and if you like what you hear, leave a rating and a review. So we've got the College World Series, Game 3 tonight, winner take all, all the cliches and stuff that you want to use. Immortality or whatever will be solidified tonight for either Florida or LSU. The debate that is raging on is whether or not LSU should pitch Paul Skeens. He has thrown... Uh, a bunch already in the College World Series, over 120 pitches in each of his two appearances so far. His most recent one was uh, three days. So he's had three full days of rest going into today. Now, I'm looking at some r- reporting, and it sounds like people don't expect him to start, but possibly play at some point today. I'm reading from uh, Matt Moscona, for example, who hosts uh, a, a radio show in Baton Rouge, uh, well-respected media guy down there. He said, uh, Thatcher Hurd is your likely Game 3 starter today. That's what he said, for whatever that's worth. But the debate is whether or not they should throw Paul Skeens. And, and it's such a wide variety of opinions on this, from some people that think that he should not touch a baseball at all today in any form, and if he does, it's coaching malpractice, to people that say he should throw 120 pitches again because it's a championship and then, of course, everything in between. Um, th- there's something about the the modern age of college sports that I think is not. How should I put this? People have not adjusted to the modern age of college sports, where the players are professionals. Now, not all of them. Some of them don't have NIL deals, and some sports, like your softball team, they don't have any, and there's guys on your baseball team that don't have any. But Paul Skeens got paid to pitch at LSU. He's a professional. Beyond the scholarship, he's getting whatever scholarship percentage there is because baseball is still behind. But 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 he is, for all effects of the definition, a professional pitcher for LSU. He is getting paid to pitch at LSU. And in my opinion, when you become that, when you are on a salary, which is what it is, or maybe they gave him a lump sum up front, I don't know. But when you're getting paid, it does change things a little bit for me. He's a pro. He's getting paid to pitch for LSU. He should pitch for LSU tonight. 
Now, I don't think that they should be reckless. I don't think he should throw 120 pitches. I don't think he should throw 100 pitches. Maybe whatever he would throw in a bullpen session today is what you would pitch him tonight. Call it 60 pitches or whatever. But yes, he should pitch tonight. Number one, because I imagine he really, really wants to. And then there is a national championship on the line. And yes, he is about to set to make millions. He's going to be 1-1. And pitching tonight could possibly jeopardize that. Pitching the other day could have also possibly jeopardized that as well. Uh, but either way, nobody is going to be scared of uh, of drafting him for pitching him tonight. Hell, nobody's even scared of Tommy John anymore. I mean, it, it's such a routine procedure for pitchers that if the most catastrophic thing were to happen tonight, he's still getting top 10 pick. He, I mean, easily. Nobody's letting him get out of the top 10. He's still going to get his millions, and he's still going to pitch professionally. But this new era of college sports has made me a, a little bit more cynical. If they're going to be professionals, we need to start treating them like professionals. Uh, would a major league pitcher pitch today having three full days rest if it was game seven of the World Series? They would, right? And I understand the money's different. Major league baseball pitchers make more than what Paul Skeens is making at LSU. But when you are a paid employee, when LSU paid you to pitch for them, you pitch for them if you can. And if you're LSU, you pitch him if he can. Now you consult with trainers. You do all of your due diligence. You, you are not reckless with this, but he has had three full days of rest. He can give you something because you're paying him to give you something. And some people don't like that, and I understand that. And some people think it's reckless. And also... Like I said before, it, it is it's the national championship game. And I know not always young people like have the right perspective where sometimes you need coaches to protect them from themselves. But he's an adult. He knows the risks. You lay out the risks for him. You tell him what he can lose. You have him talk to his agent and his parents and, and whoever else is involved in his life. And if he wants the ball, you give him the ball. I'm failing to to wrap my mind around the controversy of it. It's the national championship game. If he wants to pitch, by God, let him pitch. You do it safely. You don't do it recklessly. And at the end of the day, you are paying him to do it. And I kind of feel that way about college sports in general moving forward. I think that more scrutiny now should follow players, at least the ones that are accepting salaries. If they want to be professionals, then treat them like professionals. We still, when it comes to college football players in particular, want to treat them with kid gloves. I mean, the reaction, for example, to Stetson Bennett getting arrested was, uh, I found odd. It's One, he's super old for a college kid, but he's an adult now. And I think that applies to their play as well. When you've got football players at Ole Miss, for example, that are making six figures in salary to play, more scrutiny should follow. Higher expectations should be there. I have no idea what the number is on Jackson Dart's NIL deal, but I know he's getting one. And so when you, the fan, which is where this money's coming from, are paying him a salary, which is what it is from the Grove Collective, 
expectations should be raised. If they want to be professionals, treat them like professionals. It's everything in college sports has just been for the player. The player gets whatever they want, and they also still get to get treated like kids. Well, they're not kids anymore. Zion Williamson was in the NBA at 19. Victor Wimbenyama, same thing. I mean, the, Victor has got the, the pressure of an entire franchise on his shoulders now at his age. But a 22-year-old quarterback is off limits because he technically has to go to class, even though most of those are done for them or done online. No, I, I, I again, I know that the 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 money is dramatically different for Victor Wimbenyama as opposed to a college basketball player. I understand that there's a significant financial difference between Patrick Mahomes and Jackson Dart. I get it, I do. But this new era of college sports has made me a little bit more cynical. I think that if they're going to get paid a salary that is paid for directly by the fans, that's who pays these things. It's not the school with their multi-million dollar television deals and stuff like that that are paying the kids. It's coming out of you, the fans' pocket. That's who funds the Grove Collective. And there are some companies involved as well, of course. But Paul Skeens, is a, for all intents and purposes, he's a, He's a professional pitcher. LSU was paying him to pitch for them. He should pitch tonight. Safely, not recklessly, but he's had three full days rest. He should be able to give them something tonight. That's what they're paying for. And I think that applies to college athletes all over. Jackson Dart deserves scrutiny this season. When he performs poorly, I don't think that you should treat him necessarily with kid gloves. And some people will disagree with that. That applies to Quinn John Judkins. That applies to every player on Ole Miss's roster that is collecting a salary and every player on all these rosters that are collecting salaries. When you become a professional, professional treatment follows. When Derek Carr has a bad game for the Saints, guess what the reaction is going to be? Derek Carr makes a hell of a lot more money. But still, when you become a professional, further scrutiny should follow, and further expectations should follow. Paul Skeen should pitch tonight safely, but uh, but he should. He's a pro. That's what a pro would do. The podcast is brought to you by Advantage Business Systems. Check them out online, absms.com. That's the website. If you're in the market for office technology and your business is located anywhere inside of the state of Mississippi, again, check them out online, absms.com. And if you tell them I sent you, you get a complimentary office technology assessment. So you tell them what you need and what your budget is, and they will find a solution for you on me. Office technology needs in Mississippi, absms.com. The podcast is also brought to you by Priority One Bank. Let them make you their priority. They got 16 locations scattered across the state of Mississippi, so there's one near you. Uh, no doubt. They have online banking like every bank does, but theirs is a one-stop shop. You don't need multiple apps to get uh, to do everything that you need to do with your money. They also have local loan servicing and decision-making. So if you need a loan, if you need a loan serviced, uh, it's somebody that you can sit down face-to-face with and build a relationship with and talk to as opposed to somebody on the phone or, uh, if you're lucky, via Zoom. Priority One Bank, making you their priority. All right, here's the three things after an 11-minute introduction. Uh, that could lead to Ole Miss underachieving in 2023. Now, these first two, which I'm looping into one, uh, are like the exact opposite of what I said yesterday. And I'll start with the quarterback situation getting weird is what I have written down. I said yesterday, and I stand by it, they have gotten better. 
at the quarterback position. Jackson Dart has reportedly by everybody involved improved, and they added Spencer Sanders and Walker Howard to the room, which is absolutely an upgrade over what they had in Luke Altmyer and Kid Kane dead a year ago. The quarterback position got better at Ole Miss. The one way that this thing can get screwed up is if the competition, if, if this gets weird, if nobody can, if they're splitting reps all summer and all through camp, and then Kiffin does the you start this game thing and you start this game thing, and nobody can really establish themselves and take a firm grasp uh, of this team as a quarterback, that could kind of screw things up. And as you've seen in other places, it disrupts team chemistry. It doesn't allow a guy to get established and, and continue to improve. Hell, I think it set Jackson Dart back last year. He was the more talented quarterback. Everybody expected him to win the job, and he did, but it was you know, a few weeks into the season. And I think not getting all of those reps, those first-team reps in training camp, and even in the spring, even though that the position was – more undecided at that point, but having to split reps even into the season uh, had some, at least I think, had some adverse effect on Jackson Dart. I don't think it's going to be handled poorly in fairness. I think that it it feels like the team kind of knows what's up, Uh, but if this quarterback situation does get weird, if Kiffin is undecisive, if they do split reps all through training camp and they're doing one half, one half during the season, and you start this game and you start this game, I think that could have an adverse effect on this team because they don't have a cakewalk in the first seven weeks uh, to start the season like they did last year. It gets much realer. That's Is that a word? It gets real much faster for Ole Miss this season, and I think that they need to have the quarterback thing figured out much sooner than they did a year ago because – even though I think they're going to win the game comfortably, you can't screw around in New Orleans in week two. At least I don't think so. I don't expect that to happen in full transparency, but if it does, if the quarterback situation gets weird, uh, that could lead to Ole Miss underachieving this year. Also, the new faces on defense. Like I told you yesterday, I think uh, there's a very positive aspect of who they've added defensively, and it's the fact that they all basically are guys that have played a ton uh, of football, especially in the front six, the the defensive talent that they've added up front on the defensive line are guys that have played a ton of football elsewhere. The, the linebackers that they added are guys that have played a ton of football elsewhere. So even though they're new, I like the fact that they're really experienced football players in the college, in the at the SEC level, at the Power Five level, or even in the Sun Belt, which is not the SEC, but that's the best non-Power 5 league out there, Uku, of course, I'm talking about, and he was first-team all Sunbelt. So these guys that they've brought in, for the most part, are experienced football players. Same thing applies to the secondary as well. But there is a chance that they don't acclimate well. There's there's a chance that that happens. There's a chance that some of their games don't translate to the SEC level. When you're, uh, depending on guys that played at Liberty and played at Tulane and played at James Madison and played at Florida Atlantic and played at UCF. And there's a chance that not all of them acclimate well. Again, I don't think that's going to be the case, but there's certainly a chance that that is the case. And if they don't, uh, at least early on in Pete Golding's tenure, it could lead to some 
uh, disappointing performances from defense. So will the uh, new faces on defense acclimate in time? Will they learn the system? Will they um, gel within the team? And, and will that go smoothly? I think it will because of their experience level, but there's a chance that it doesn't. And if it doesn't, Ole Miss is going to be set back uh, at least early this season. Maybe things will get better as the season goes on. Uh, but that is a challenge uh, that Pete Golding faces is they, they've upgraded in talent, but can that talent mesh w- within the, the core of the team and learn the new system? And I mean, even things like you know acclimate to the town and become comfortable where they are. If they can do that, I expect them to improve pretty dramatically. If they can't, there's a chance that they take a step back. Uh, another reason why Ole Miss may underachieve next season is the wide receivers, and it, the same principle kind of applies here as well. I like what they have, but I don't know yet if these guys can produce uh, at the SEC level. You guys know me. I really like Jordan Watkins. I think Ole Miss fans uh, are, are at large are really kind of overlooking what they have in Jordan Watkins. I expect him to have a really good year if he can stay healthy. He's proven. He's been with you, so I like him a lot. But you don't know yet if Zachary Franklin uh, can come in and produce at this level. Uh, You think he can, but you don't know if he can. You don't know if Trey Harris is going to be able to uh, produce at the SEC level yet. You think that he can. Uh, the, the coaches certainly think that he can. They're very high on him as a player, but until it actually happens, uh, you don't, you simply don't know. Jalen Knox has not produced yet uh, in a game setting at Ole Miss, anyway. H- hasn't done it yet. JJ Henry has flashed uh, at times, but that's all you've really gotten. Dayton Wade has given you some nice things, but is he a reliable receiver? I, I, we'll have to see. What about Aiden Williams? Is he ready? as a freshman to take over, there's a chance that this group of wide receivers is good. There's a chance that it's really reliable and dependable and effective and talented and experienced. There's a chance that it's good and a strength of this team, but there's also a chance that it's not. There's a chance that these guys don't acclimate well. Uh, There's a chance that Aiden Williams is not ready yet. There's a chance that Jalen Knox still doesn't give them anything. Uh, so, so that possibility still exists, and and if they don't, if if Franklin, if uh, Zachary Franklin and Trey Harris don't acclimate right away, if they're not built for this level, then maybe they got a problem on uh, on their hands. But um, again, if if you look at both of them and the way that they are talked about uh, within people around the program, then. You shouldn't expect it to flop, but there's always that chance. And then lastly, offensive line. Offensive line for Ole Miss, uh, they, they return four starters, and it's not its not super fair to expect a pair of really young tackles to like be perfect in their first real action, especially in the SEC. But offensive line, was a, it got to a point where it was a weakness last year, which is crazy to say about a team that ran the football as well as Ole Miss did. But uh, the LSU game, in the Mississippi State game, stand out uh, really strongly, especially the Mississippi State game, because they got whooped up front by Mississippi State, and especially in the second, third, and fourth quarters in Baton Rouge, they got whooped up front by LSU. That position group has to improve. Uh, I think they have upgraded at coach. 
uh, on the offensive line. And they've also portaled well. They added a couple of guys uh, with a lot of experience. Um, will Quincy McGee start? I think so. Um, but he is coming from UAB to Ole Miss. That There is a learning curve there. Most people expect it to go well. Uh, that There's always that chance that it doesn't. I'm a broken record today. That's okay. And they've also added a, a Washington transfer in, in Victor Kern. And uh, so those guys can, can certainly help this team. I think they're a little bit thin at tackle uh, right now. Um, but that position has got to be a lot better if they're going to overachieve, especially now that they've traded for, uh, for they've traded on the schedule, Kentucky for Georgia in Athens. Uh, the margin for error for this team is, is, is thinner than it was uh, a year ago. So, you know, LSU is going to be good up front. I think Mississippi state's going to be good up front. A&M is certainly talented. Uh, Alabama is going to be good up front. There's some improvement has to happen up front on the offensive line. If they are, with a more difficult schedule, going to overachieve and uh, meet expectations this season. The the portal guys have to be helpful. Uh, They have to be able to use more than five guys in a game on the offensive line, and those five guys have got to be better than they were at times a year ago. So uh, there they are, three, at least in my opinion, the three biggest ways that Ole Miss could underachieve in 2023. So overachieve yesterday, underachieve today for what it's worth like when i go to media days and and do all that stuff here in a few weeks uh, i i'm going to pick old miss to finish third in the west i've got to see it with texas a&m first but i do think somewhere around an eight and four season is how i see them finishing so for whatever that's worth to you that's at least as of now kind of where i see things falling for uh for them so or whatever that's worth to you. We'll do all the media day order finish and all that stuff, of course, when it gets closer. We'll also do a uh, what they think uh, series. I guess we can call it a series uh, where I'll get the big preview magazines and tell you what they think about the team and depth charts. And Phil Steele's out, for example, has Jackson Dart starting. Is that noteworthy? I think so. So we'll get into all that later on this week as well. So thank you guys for tuning in. Try to enjoy the baseball tonight. And uh, talk to you again soon. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.